everybody excited to be in the house this morning? What an honor to be here with you guys. It is truly a privilege that we do not take lightly. And today, I believe that I have a message that is directly for you and I. It's a message that I feel comes directly from the heart of God. I want you to do something with me this morning. I want you to turn to three people that you did not come with. I want to get you out your comfort zone. Three people. No, no, wait, wait, wait. I didn't finish giving you instructions. We're not playing Simon Says. We're playing Pastor Jose Says. Right? Pastor Jose Says, tell three people you did not come with, you are a success. You're online. I want you to know you are a success. Go ahead and type that to somebody. You are a success. Now, I want you to answer this question for yourself. Don't tell on yourself, but answer this question for yourself. Do you actually believe that? I pray you do. You know, we've been in a series over the last several weeks entitled Travel Light. It's been a series for the entire summer. And what we've been learning is that life is a lot like a journey. It's a journey that we pack for. It's like a trip we take. But unfortunately, too many people overpack. We don't just overpack, but we carry things that aren't necessary for the journey of life. They create weight. They create struggle. They make life heavy. And the truth is that it's not God's will. And I want you to consider the words of Jesus, which have been foundational for this series, from, in Matthew, from Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse 28, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Listen, without Jesus, the equation always equals heavy and burdened. So he says, come to me. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your what? For your souls. See, the soul is where life gets heavy. It's not in our circumstances. It's not in the trials of life. See, it's the internal response. It's how we internalize the reality. We think that what's real is what's going on on the outside. We think that that's what gets heavy in life. And in reality, it's what we do in the soul. And it's for that reason that he tells us in verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, God wants you and I to travel throughout the journey of life without burdens. Let me say this to, to somebody that needs to hear this, whether you're here or you're online. Somebody needs to hear this. You find that to be a fantasy. It feels far-fetched, almost impossible to you. But I want you to consider that that would be true if it was anyone else saying it. But this is Jesus who said it. And therefore, you and I can travel light. So over the last couple of weeks in this series, we've been unpacking a few bags. We've been unpacking some bags around unforgiveness and dead weight. And this week, I'd like to talk to you on the topic of unpacking success. I want to unpack success. If I were to ask you, what is success? The truth is that each and every one of us has a definition. For some of us, it's a vivid picture. It's a place you're striving to get to. It's something you're trying to achieve. It's something that you're desiring. And the thing is that success isn't a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. 
It is God's will for our life. He wants you and I to be successful, to succeed in life. But if success is good and it is God's will, why would we have to unpack it from life's journey? And I submit to you that it's because some of us have the wrong perspective as to what success actually is. See, when it comes to success, we tend to see it from the context of the work of our hands. We think about success from the standpoint of what I do, what I achieve, what I accomplish, where I get to in life. And the truth is that it's a con because it's not within the right context. See, success is, a, is not a work of our hands. It's a work in God's hands. Let me say that again. Success is not a work of our hands. It's a work in God's hands. Let me point you to scripture because I am not here to give you an opinion. I want you to consider the truth in the scriptures. And I believe that today there is a divine appointment that we all have with God. And that God wants to clarify for us what success actually is so that we can succeed with him in life. So that we can find ourselves in the sweet spot with Jesus throughout life. Proverbs chapter 2 starting at verse 7 says, He holds success in store for the upright. Speaking of God, he is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and he protects the way of his faithful ones. You know, oftentimes we measure success by the result of our efforts, by what's happening, by how we feel, by what people say and how we're received. If we're acknowledged and celebrated, how much we accumulate by what we have in an account or accounts, by the plaques that we have on the wall and the degrees and the letters that we have behind our names. But if that is success, let me ask you this. If success is supposed to be the mountaintop of life, how come we're still climbing? How come we can never get to the top? How come enough is never enough? I mean, come on now. How many times haven't you told yourself throughout life, if I could just get to this certain stage, this place, this, this point of accomplishment, of achievement in life, I'll be all right. And then you got there and you go, there's got to be more. Right? I thought if I was just at this income level that everything would be all right. I thought if I had this house, if I had a family, if I had children, if I had my dream job, if I had all my friends, if I was in a great church and whatever the case may be, if I thought if I just arrived there that everything would be all right. How come accomplishments never leave us feeling accomplished? And I submit to you that this world offers us an erroneous definition for success. See, if we're to be successful, we must stop trying to achieve it by the work of our hands. And we must learn how to draw it from God's hands. My friends, the scriptures give us an example from a man named Joseph, who is a very successful man. 
And they record that this man arrived at the highest platform life could afford in his day. So great was the appearance of his success that as a Jewish man in the land of Egypt, he became the right hand to Egypt's pharaoh. Hear where I'm coming from with this. In the Egyptian culture, Jewish people were detestable. They were looked down upon. They were frowned upon. They were rejected. And yet, Joseph, the scriptures record, rose to the highest plane in Egyptian culture. He became the number two man as it pertained to matters of world governance. Egypt was the ruling empire of the world in that day. And his journey to this point was not without challenges. Listen, the scripture tells us that his family belittled him because he had a big dream that he had received from God. His brothers betrayed him because his father favored him so much. So much so that they sold him into slavery to get rid of him. To erase him, to cancel him from their life. He was repeatedly accused falsely for doing wrong when he was actually doing right. And he was often overlooked by others, many times. With that track record, I bet some of us are thinking, Joseph was bound to fail in life. I mean, that doesn't sound like a journey to success. Others might think, well, I've read the story of Joseph's life, and he succeeded because he was a self-made man. I mean, this guy had great willpower, determination, strength. He had grit. But I submit to you that the scriptures reveal differently. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 39. Before we read that, I want you to consider, we're not going to get into his life story, but I will give you some, some uh, details from it. And I strongly want to encourage you to go and check it out for yourself. In Genesis 39, verse 2, we see that Joseph is enslaved. He was sold by his brothers, and he's in the household of an Egyptian, of, of an Egyptian slave master. And the scripture says in Genesis 39, verse 2, that the Lord was with Joseph so that he what? He prospered. He prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was what? Was with him. And that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Joseph found favor in his eyes and he became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Let me ask you a question. What was the source of Joseph's success? When Joseph was falsely accused by this same slave master's wife and imprisoned because he would not comply with her requests and even her advances to have him become her, 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 her lover, this guy Joseph refuted her advances, he, 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 he resisted them. And Genesis 39 verse 22 records when Joseph is in prison because he was falsely accused. And it says, so the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in
in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. Why? Listen to verse uh, 23. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Listen closely. This guy was in a prison outside of his own will. He didn't go there willingly. He was put there for being falsely accused. This guy was sold into slavery against his will. And yet, in the worst of circumstances, Joseph was always at his best. Why? It wasn't based upon what he possessed. It wasn't based upon what he had. It wasn't based upon his accomplishments. It wasn't based upon his family line. It was solely and completely based on his personal relationship to God. My friend, let me give you a piece of it. Come on, if you're going to praise God and celebrate God in your life, then, then do it. Let's not, let's, not, let's not fake it. Come on now. See, there is no such thing as success without God. There's no such thing, with, there's no such thing as success without God. Because you'll never arrive by the work of your hands. We won't. It'll never be enough once you have it. Nothing you do by your strength will fulfill you. Nothing. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. See, we have to consider then from the scriptures, how do we actually achieve success? What is success? I want to submit to you for reflection and personal application today, that you'll never arrive at success if your goal is personal achievement. Let me say that again. You'll never arrive at success if your goal is personal achievement. Success is not the culmination of personal wins, my friends. It's not a... a, a a history of accomplishments. Success is a life that honors God and values personal relationship with him above all. Amen. Above all. Above all. King Solomon, to this day, is the richest man ever recorded in the world's history. Hey, if you think the Bible's just a bunch of stories, you should actually look up. King Solomon was actually a man in this world. The wisdom that flowed from this man's life till this day, seasons, leaders, their thinking, their reasoning, their approach to things, whether they believe in God or not. And King Solomon possessed great wisdom. Countries, countries, listen, not people, countries personally paid him tribute, the, the scriptures record, every three years. He amassed roughly $1.1 billion in gold each year of his reign. Every plate, every cup, every portion of silverware was made of pure gold under his reign, in his kingdom. And in this world's view, this is the epitome of success. Man, I wish 
I was there. His life is what we're told to chase after. But in his heart, Solomon knew better. Listen to the wisdom from a lament in this man's life. The book of Ecclesiastes is a great book, contains great wisdom, but you got to understand in context that Solomon is lamenting his mistakes in the book of Ecclesiastes. He's looking back on his life from the tail end and saying, man, I dropped the ball. He's lamenting. Listen to what he says in the second half of verse 3 of Ecclesiastes 2. We're going to read on from there. He says, I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. Here's what Solomon is saying. I set out to study what makes life great. He goes on to say, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well. The delights of a man's heart. I became great by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. It was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Nothing. There's nothing quite sadder than climbing to the highest echelons of life only to discover that success is not there. That is the saddest place one can live in life. To climb so high, believing that this is what life is all about, and get there and discover this is not success. Unfortunately, too many people stay there because we prefer the, the appearance of success than the reality of success. I love what Solomon says here. He says it's like chasing after the wind. I want to encourage you to do something when you leave here today. Go chase after a breeze and try and grab it. It's there, but you can never grab it. It's unattainable. It's impossible. My friend, you can't grasp it. 
the world's definition of success is actually the definition of failure. So what's the solution here? How do we grasp success? I'm so glad you asked that question today. Listen to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. The words of Solomon, looking back in his life, after having made so many mistakes, pursuing a false notion of success. He says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Listen to what Solomon is saying. In the Hebrew, Solomon, when he says, remember your creator, he says, call to mind, think upon God and his ways. In the days of your youth, here's what he's saying, before you get to chasing after success, in that place of infancy in your heart, where you think success is all about what you achieve and what you amass and what you attain and how you're viewed. Before you get there, in those early years, he says, think upon God and his ways. Why? Because it'll save you the trouble and the heartaches of life. My friend, if you find yourself weighed down, weary, burdened, Chasing after the wind. If, if you find yourself saying, I am a success, but it's based on your achievement, my friend, it is like the wind that one tries to grasp at. You don't have it. And eventually, everything will crumble. I feel like today the Lord is instructing us to be different, to adopt a different mindset, a different view for life. Because everything you see on your Instagram, everything you see when you're scrolling through TikTok is a lie. It's a lie. Isn't it interesting that whenever you post something on your social media, it's always the best moments. It's always the happiest moments. Whenever you see someone on, on, on social media and you go, man, they sure got it good. Isn't it, by and large, them showing you the easiest, the quickest way how to get there? And they're saying, look at where I've been and look at what you can do too. My friend, social media is not does not present the truth. And our tendency is to portray our best appearance. What I love about Solomon in, in, in this sad place that he'd arrived in life is that he's being very transparent and he's saying, man, I thought I knew what success was. I've climbed to the highest mountaintops of what success appears to be in the eyes of men. And he says, it's like the wind that I try to grasp. I can't achieve it. See, our greatest success is not found in what we achieve, 
but in what we do with God daily. I need you to think about that. I need you to think about that. Our greatest success is not found in what we achieve, but in what we do with God daily. See, this is what Solomon's getting at. He says, man, I remember, I, I, I encourage you to recall, to, to reflect upon the ways of God, to consider the goodness of God. My friend, the only reason why you're still standing is because God still provides you a foundation. And he says, use this mind of yours not to conceive your best life, but to understand God, to perceive his ways. I, I'll be very honest with you. When I was a teenager, my mother was struggling to raise six kids by herself. She was never home. She was always working. She was grinding just to try and make enough to support us which left a lot of time for me to get into things. And I found myself in a lot of really bad circumstances around a lot of really bad people learning really bad things. So much so that by the age of 15, going into 16 years old, I decided I'd arrived. Because the streets provided everything. They provided money, they provided friends, they provided girls, they provided fun, they provided all these opportunities that I thought were great. But you know, a pig doesn't know they're in slop when that's normal. That was my normal. That's what I thought success was about. So my mother got real tough on me and she says, son, I love you so much that I need you to understand I can't control you anymore. You do what you want to do, but I don't condone it. She says, but in this house, we're going to serve the Lord. And you need to make a choice what you're going to do from this point forward. Because I will not condone nor tolerate the destructive choices that you're making. You know what I did? I thought I've made a great decision. I make enough money to be on my own. Peace. Deuces. I'm out. I left home at 16, and what I thought were going to be my best years were the worst. Oh, to everyone around me, they were, man, good for you, man, you're on your own. You make your own decisions. You're charting your own path. You're doing what you want to do. But you know, every night when I got home, by the skin of my teeth, wherever home was, and I looked back, and I got real honest with myself, what I realized was that I was scared. I was alone. I had no direction for life. I questioned if I would live past tomorrow. It was that bad. And what I came to realize is that success, now that I look back by the grace of God, by the grace of God, I'm not supposed to be, but by the grace of God, I am so humbled that God would look upon me and go, I know you're being unfaithful, but I'm going to be true to my word, and I'm going to remain faithful to you. By the grace of God, I look back today, 
And what I realized is that what I thought success was, it wasn't. My greatest success in life has been, is, and always will be this, and it's yours too. It's the fact that God loves you despite your failures. He chooses you, he anoints you, and he has a divine purpose for your life. He wants to restore and renew and transform and show himself strong through your life. My friend, success is not in your hands. It's in the hands of the potter who's fashioning you as clay. So let me ask you something. What are you calling to remembrance on a daily basis? Are you worrying? Are you weary? Does life feel heavy? Are you so focused on the future that you're not doing anything with today? Hmm. Are you learning about him? Are you talking to him? Are you seeking wisdom from his life-giving word? Are you prioritizing his ways above all? I can tell you this with certainty, not because I've arrived or because I'm better than anyone. I've tried my way. I've tried other people's ways. I've tried the world's ways. And can I tell you that the only way that has led me to life is Jesus. It's his wisdom. It's his, and you know, you know what's the beauty about God? You don't have to know it all. You don't have to be at a certain place to have it together. Listen, you just simply have to take steps. Step by step. Step by step. If, God words, if God's word says that it is wise to prioritize his way over company, the company of people, and that when you do that, that you shall be like the palm tree that is planted, that it flourishes in its season and its fruit produces, and you will always prosper in all your ways. If the word of God says that, can I give you a piece of advice? Try it. And if the word of God fails, then you know what? I'll shut this place down. I'll shut this place down. I'll be the first one to admit that God's word is not true. But let me tell you, my friend, that will never happen. Because every word that he has spoken shall not return to him empty. God wants you to succeed. Trust his word and follow his ways. The next point that I want to leave you with here is that success is your God-given right, but you must do it the right way. Success is your God-given right, but you must do it the right way. Listen, God wants you to succeed. And if success is achieved with God, then it stands to reason that we must come to know how to be with God. How do we do this? Joshua 
was a lot like Joseph in that he got a hold of the vision that God had for his life. He actively pursued it. This guy, Joshua, was a man of great success, of great courage, of great strength. But at the beginning of his rise to leadership and every great exploit that the scriptures record, God gave him a specific instruction for success. Listen to Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. It says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Wherever you go. When you go to school, God wants you to be successful. When you go to work, God wants you to be successful. When you go to church, God wants you to be successful. When you go into your community, God wants you to be successful. When you put your hands to an idea, when you begin to start a business, when you begin to work with people, God says that in every place that you go, he wants you to be successful because it proves that he's the one at work in your life. So listen to what it goes on to say. Keep this book of the law on your lips. In other words, let it season what you say. Let it season what you say. And everything you do, let the word of God lead how you speak about it, what you declare about it, how you plan it. He goes on to say, meditate on it day and night. In other words, it's not that every waking second of your life you're processing the scripture or you're uh, uh, um, regurgitating or repeating scripture to yourself. No, what he's saying is through all your life, let the word of God be the filter by which you process everything that comes your way. I get it, the economy's bad. But guess what? God is still good and he promises to provide for you. He says he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. I understand that the doctor's report might be a negative one, but God is still the God who paid too high a price by the stripes of Jesus so that you could settle for a diagnosis when he promises that by his stripes you have been healed. When he says in his word that with long life he desires to satisfy you. Are you processing life through the word of God? Or are you processing through the news you listen to? Wow. Wow. Listen to why this is so important. He says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Watch this. Then, then, then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Here's what God's saying. Isn't it I that has said this to you? It's not Pastor Jose. This isn't a religious hula hoop that we're trying to put you through. God says, have I not commanded this to you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let me ask you something. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Yes. Yeah? Does the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead live in you? Yes. Yeah? So get this, wherever you go, 
God goes with you. Wherever you go, you go with God. My friend, you are a success. You have the seeds of greatness. You have all that you need to be a, a leader, to, to rise up, to be a, the husband God has called you to be, to build the business that God has entrusted to your hands, to, to impact the people. But the thing is this, that is only possible when you and I orient our minds, our speech, our lives according to the word of God. Get this. Everything in life functions according to instructions. Everything in life. When you are jacking your life up, you're operating according to an instructional plan. It might not be a good one, but you're operating according to one. In everything that we do, we operate according to a basis of information that informs and instructs our beliefs and what we do. And here's what God's saying. You don't need that to succeed. You don't need your past to succeed. You don't need failures to succeed. You don't need self-defeating thoughts to succeed. You don't need degrees to succeed. They may bolster some opportunities, but your success is found in God. God says, follow my ways. Put your trust in my word. Do what I command you to do, and then you will be prosperous and successful wherever you go. Is there anyone in the house today that can give God some praise because he has given you his word, because he has good purposes for your life? Come on now. See, success isn't a place that you're going. It's a person you're going with. It's God. It's God. Let me encourage you, my friends, don't simply read God's word just for the sake of checking a box. Don't simply listen to some good messages just because that, that makes you feel like, okay, I did this for God. I'm, I'm full of the word. Listen, if it's not changing your life, if it's not renewing this mind of ours, then it hasn't been an encounter with God. If you look at the scriptures, any time a man or a woman had a personal encounter with God, that person was not the same. Let me tell you why I encourage you with this. I don't know if some of you are beating yourself up when you hear this. And this isn't, this isn't an opportunity to beat yourself up. Don't take that opportunity. That's a lie of the enemy. He's the accuser of the brethren. What it is is an opportunity of truth that tells us this. Every time I read God's word, I can expect to be transformed, to grow. The scripture puts it this way, that his word is God-breathed. It's inspired by God, and it tells us that it is useful. Look, every time we read the word, it teaches us. It corrects us. It shows us where we've gone wrong. It instructs us. It shows us how to go right. And it thoroughly equips us for every good work. We need the word of God. The last point I want to leave you with here as we close is that you cannot bypass faithfulness and expect success. You cannot bypass faithfulness. 
and expect success. You know, this guy Joseph, if you study out his life, what you'll see is that he was a man with a dream that God had placed in his heart. A dream that would lead him to greatness. But along the journey to the fulfillment of that divine appointment that God had for his life, Joseph encountered many other doors of opportunities that were the wrong ones. Many. That encouraged him to go a different way. That encouraged him to defy God. To do things wrong. For the sake of doing what was right in the eyes of others. But this guy Joseph repeatedly throughout his life would say, I will not dishonor God this way. Far be it from me that I would turn from my God. Joseph honored the Lord in everything he did. He was faithful. You know, when we think about achievement and success, just from the standpoint of farmers, just because I was away for a few days and was around a bunch of farm country. Every farmer thinks about the harvest. That's the goal. But you know, the scripture tells us in Ecclesiastes that there's a time and season for everything in life. And it tells us that specifically as it pertains to the harvest, that it's seed, time, and harvest. And we all understand seed and we all understand harvest. But few people focus on the time to get there. My friend, you're on a journey. This journey with Jesus is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And on this journey, my friend, you and I must remain faithful. Faithful. Faithful to do what is good. Faithful to do what is godly. Faithful to do what is honorable. Faithful to do what brings glory to God. Despite whatever people may bring your way, it's for that reason that Galatians 6, 9, and 10 as we stand says this, let us not become weary in doing good. Listen to this. Doing what's good, doing what's right, Doing what's godly, doing what's honorable will bring seasons where you feel weary. How do I know that? How do we know that? Because if that weren't true, the scripture would not tell us that we are not to become weary in doing good. It's going to come. But here's the promise, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. If we do not give up, therefore, as we have, what? Opportunity. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. My friend, if we're going to enjoy true success in life, we cannot simply do good when we feel good. You don't need faith to do good when you feel good. You need faith to do good when it doesn't feel good. You need faith all the time. 
Joseph went through many seasons of difficulties and betrayals. His life seems like a story of one tragedy after another, and yet he never tried to circumvent God's hand by attempting to promote himself. Instead, he chose to promote God and his ways above his own. And he rose to the highest plateaus of life. Friend, God wants you to succeed. God calls you success. You contain seeds of greatness. But if you are to travel light on the journey of life, you and I cannot attempt to make ourselves successful. We can't put confidence, possessions, to qualify what we think is success. Can I give you the good news? You have already arrived at the greatest level of success. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. And maybe, maybe, maybe we've had the wrong perspective here for some of us. Maybe we've been striving and struggling and running a rat race to get to a place that's not there. Today's the day, if you've been there, to turn around, to get back to the basics, to the foundation, to the rudimentary element, to life. It's you and God. You and God. You have everything you need. You are already successful. Trust God. Do it his way. Don't do it your way. Put your confidence in him. Don't ever buy into the lie again that success is out there. You'll miss it right here in you. It's very possible there's someone here today joining us. Maybe you're online with us. And you've been chasing success. But you realize today there's a reason why I can never quite get there. And when I thought this was success, you realized it wasn't. My friend, it's because you must recognize that it's not success if it's not from the hand of God. And today, what you realize is that you need God. If that's you, I want to encourage you to make a decision to climb to the highest place of success in life. Would you open your heart to God and allow him to lead you with his hands that are open to you? The Bible puts it this way, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Why would he give his son as a sacrifice? I'll tell you why. Because every one of us drops the ball. And because it took a man to mess it up, it's required of a man to make up the difference, to pay the payment that's due for the mess up. It's called sin. Guess what? You and I can't do that. And so God said this, I'm going to become just like one of them. I'm going to die a death for a penalty that I didn't even break. I, I didn't even mess it up. And then I'm going to rise from the dead, not just because I'm God, 
but because I want to give you a mirror depiction of what your life is supposed to be, you can rise to. If you believe that today with us, then pray that with us as we close. Say, Jesus, I believe. Come on, if you're in the house and you're accepting Christ for the first time, if you're online, raise your hand, reach out to God. Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe you love me so much that you died to pay the price for my sin. And you rose again so that I could rise too. Today I declare, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my God. And I put my trust in you. And I thank you for success for the rest of my life. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.